Welcome everybody to this episode of The Call Sheet. I'm your host, filmmaker AJ Wedding, flipping through my old call sheets and some of my future call sheets, uh, looking for interesting guests in the film and television industry. Today, we're talking to an amazing filmmaker, writer, producer, director, Lisa Arnold. Welcome, Lisa. Hi, AJ. So great to be with you. You know, I feel like uh, I've known of you for many years because you you worked with my good friend and DP, Leo Jaramillo, for a long time. And we've maybe spoken a few times up until very recently where we've started to become more involved uh, in a work capacity. And I'm so excited about it. I, I just think you're awesome. So <laughs> thank you for being here. Uh, I, the feeling is mutual. And I'm so excited to have you be a part of Kid Combat because I just know you're going to bring so many talents to that project. So it's going to be exciting to do. Well, that's uh, I'm, I'm excited we can touch a little bit on it because it's so new and, and uh upcoming you know obviously with covid and everything there's still no rolling dates for anybody right now um right but we're uh, on hold like else but it's going to be an exciting project you know number one i mean it's an action film so it's going to be thrilling to do that it has so much vfx which is what you're you know going to focus on and, and be such a great help with and um i love a kid film and this is a kid action comedy and uh, it's going to be a series. So, you know, many to come. So it's going to be exciting to be a part of. It's, it's really exciting and it's such a great script. Uh, I'm, I'm so excited to be a part of it. And um, thank you for that, by the way. Um, yeah. But I, I really wanted to kind of go back and um, hear your story. You know, how you got involved in the film industry. You know, what, what were you interested in as a kid? What, what was, what was your life like? I know. Well, yeah. Someone asked me recently, "Were you? did you think you were going to be a director as a kid? And apparently I did because when I was eight years old and six years old, what I was doing is creating shows and putting them on in my garage and charging my friends 25 cents to come in and see the show. So apparently I was all <laughs> about it even back then. But uh, I came to film in a very roundabout way because I was in love with stage. And uh, for 15 years, you know, I focused on on stage and then I was part of television and did a live um, television show. And after that, I missed acting and went back to acting and found film industry. And this was probably um, around uh, 99, 98, 99. And so um I thought it, I thought it would just kill me because it's so slow and tedious and everything <laughs> I had done to that point was live and full of energy. And, uh, but the opposite, I ended up completely falling in love with every aspect of it and couldn't get enough. And, you know, I, I used the talents that I had as far as directing and, and producing in the live things and switched it to, you know, the film work and, would do anything for anybody. Like if they needed a boom up for a day, I was there. If, you know, we, we were on projects where we were just trying to make it happen. Uh, one of the first projects I did was with the Kendrick brothers, which was flywheel. And we made that film for $20,000 and that was used to buy the camera. <laughs> it was only like a crew of six. So it was all volunteer. And, you know, it depended on the day, what you were doing. You might be on screen one day, the next day you're, wardrobe the next day your makeup the next day your set deck so you know it was one of those great experiences that we all have and we treasure those so much and 
um, it just grew from there. And I was uh, spent the first 10, 15 years being on camera and off camera, but kept falling in love more with behind the scenes and the process of it. And so I started writing in the late 90s too, and then started directing in um, 2008, 2009, somewhere around there. And so since then, it's just been a continual journey and continual growth. And oh my gosh, I love everything about the thought of, you know, envisioning something and then putting it on the page and then being able to visually create it for people. I mean, it's, you know, it's an incredible journey, absolutely incredible. Oh, totally. And yeah, you got to love those experiences that you get to play multiple roles. It, it's almost, it makes you a better director, a better producer, uh, just being in those places and, and understanding what it takes to do those jobs. Sure. I mean, it's like Walt Disney said, you know, if you walk in other people's shoes, you understand. So because I serve as a producer so many times that understand when the director asks for a hundred extras, you can't have 12 show up. He needs a hundred <laughs> extras and vice versa. When the director, you know, I, since I've done the producing side too, I, I'm, you know, I want, I want every, every dollar to amount to something. So as a director, I'm very careful where I spend my dollars and make sure that it is a, you know, a big impact on screen. Absolutely. So, so take me back to, um, you said it was 2007, the first movie that you directed. And just kind of give me, was it 2007? Okay. Uh, and just kind of give me a sense of like, how did that film come together? Like where did you write it as well or? I did. I did. I wrote it and um, you know, I don't know why I have a theme for when, when I write and create projects, it's kind of the voice of the voiceless kind of thing. So this <laughs> particular was a female who kind of lost her voice, you know, and uh it was an amazing journey. Uh, a church actually partnered with me on it. And um, we got a lot of, you know, favor given to us, like Sunday school classes and things like that were, were our craft services and our catering. And so, <laughs> you know, we had a crew of about 15 on that project. And, you know, we paid our DP, we paid a couple people, but there were also a lot of volunteers on that project. And, um, yeah, every day was just, I mean, a smile on my face. Like there was nothing, absolutely nothing like it. And I was, I, I definitely uh, enjoy directing the most. It is my sweet spot, you know, but I, I do um, really appreciate and love being a part of the producing team too, because it's great to be able to be a part of that team to equip the director to bring their vision along. So, but I think directing, I get a little bit more joy I, I uh, like watching those films over and over again. The films that I produce, I tend to see the problem days, like, oh, that was the day the high winds came and we had, uh, the lights went down and, you know, it, I see the problems, in other words, <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm going back and watching it. So it's a little bit harder for me to enjoy those. <laughs> of course. But, yeah. But I, I bet. I absolutely love it. I, I really started writing just because I wasn't liking the scripts I was, given as an actress. I just didn't see very many redeeming quality in these projects. I didn't think, you know, 20 years from now, I will be proud to be a part of this project. And, um, and I wanted um, to find my own voice. And so that has allowed me to do that. And it's, it's really wonderful, not only just to create my own projects, but I write a lot of scripts for people. Um, so 
I just finished a based on true story script that's amazing. It's called The Love Without Borders. And it's a story that took place in Burma, uh, starts in the in the 60s and goes to present day. But oh my gosh, I mean, it's got everything. It's like from the greatest riches, like uh, crazy rich Asians. So it's got like the craziest, you know, riches. And then they go to live in a jungle and a shack and no running water and no bathroom and you know i mean just like the worst circumstances so riches to rags to redemption so it's a beautiful story to tell but wow. yeah i love being a part of the whole process i would love to read that and i i think that um when you're producing you're probably a director's best friend because you know what you always want as a director i can imagine that's a, a good experience for the directors involved with you as well I hope so. I think so. I think they all feel like I really go to bat to equip them, you know, and have their back with whatever vision they want to bring to it. Um, and the same with writing. I think it's easy for me to see the visual side of it. So I can take either do a rewrite on a script that's been from a novelist or start from scratch from somebody's story from a memoir and then bring the visual story to life. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's, that's the whole thing, right? Don't you do, you write, direct and produce as well, don't you? Uh, I do. Uh, and like you, uh, just depends on the project. And, uh, mm -hmm. I, you know, I think when you love it, when you love filmmaking, it doesn't really matter what hat you're wearing, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a magical world to be a part of. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And, and I do think that the more you can, you know, like we mentioned before, the more you can wear other hats, the, the better you're going to be at the position you love the most because you are giving, you know, people what you would want in that position and you're learning what they are capable of and not capable of, um, which is also a very good thing. So true. I think one of the greatest things about directing is that you can go in with the concept of I'm the lowest person here and it is my job here to equip everybody and to, to make the best that everybody has to give. And uh, that's really exciting to see. You know, it's exciting to see people just rise up to things way beyond what they thought they could do. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about your, your early work. So, um... I started in uh, faith-based films. So um, did Flywheel and did a little bit on Facing the Giants and then Letting Go. And then This Is Our Time was um, a project that came about through several meetings from another film. And um, I wanted to film that one in Louisiana or Georgia, but Pure Flix really wanted to film it in California just because they were set up and had their crew and everything. And this was kind of before I had an, a very established crew. So I said yes to that and filmed in LA and it was fine. I mean, it was a wonderful experience. We also filmed in India on that project too. Um, we were, um, it was really interesting because the, the storyline had two characters that became missionaries and they were serving in India with, in leprosy colonies. So we ended up filming in some of the leprosy villages, which was amazing. Wow. And leprosy victims were our extras on set. So it was an <laughs> extraordinary experience. I mean, just life changing experience, but, um, but it was through that one that I was able to talk them into coming back to Louisiana, bringing some projects in. And so we did 
Christmas Angel with Della Reese and um, Terry Polo. And then right after that was God's Not Dead, which most people in the faith-based world know about. That was a big hit um, probably around 2015. And then um, then since then, the um, world has just been kind of evolving and expanding. So now I have a lot of female-driven projects. Um, a lot of kid projects because I've landed in that in that family genre and I love it so much and I really adore working with kids. Not as much with animals, but adore <laughs> working with kids. And uh, I just think I think they come so prepared, sometimes so much better prepared than the adult actors. And so it's really extraordinary, and I love their energy, and so it's a lot of fun. And uh, so. My lane is pretty, you know, is broadened. I'm no longer just in faith-based. I'm in, you know, mainstream and, and doing a lot of based on true stories, uh, dramas, action, comedy. So I'm just kind of across the board. And then um, this past year, I really focused on trying to create some television series. So mm -hmm. that's my next step, my next love, I think. So I'm working on a couple of different television series projects. Well, it doesn't sound... Love developing. I know you do too, but I love developing product. I, I mean, I just love developing product. I do too. I, I prefer to complete it, but uh, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm working on. Um, yeah. But I mean, it sounds like no, like nothing slows you down. Have you ever had um, um, any real big hurdles that you had to get over during this process of becoming who you are today, which is an amazing filmmaker and showrunner, it sounds like, coming soon? <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, I've always, it's really interesting because I, I tend to be a little bit naive on the hurdles and I just kind of just keep going forward. So I don't really get bogged down into, you know, I just know there's a time for everything and I, you know, am okay with that. And, uh, a lot of times when I'm speaking at film festivals, they'll be like, you know, what's the secret? How did you find the money? What did you do? You know? And what I always tell them at the film festivals is, most likely God has already put in your life the people that you need to make the projects that he's put on your heart. And so it's just a matter of, you know, finding that one person that really believes in you and they can bring other people to the table and then you can really, you know, grow from there. But uh, when you go to the same people asking, you know, like uh, there'll be a line of 20 or so people thinking I can fund their their projects and I can do these things for them, which I can't, you know, but I, they probably have that person. They're just not recognizing it. So I try and direct them, redirect them to that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Man, what a, what an amazing time for, for you, uh, as a filmmaker. And, um, I just, uh, I feel like a lot of people focus on the obstacles that they run into and it, it I think it makes the obstacles, it gives them more power. I think like yeah. you, like you say, uh, not even sort of considering them and just moving forward as best you can when you can. Um, sure. Somebody so, tells me no, that just immediately means it's going to be a yes for me somehow, some way it's going to be a yes. So I take, I take um, adversity well. Um, but I will say that I think you've just got to be balancing many projects in this field, you know, so you've always got to be developing while you're producing, while you're, you know, in post. I mean, 
it is a continual journey, just like a film is a continual journey. I mean, I laugh when people think, oh, I've got the funding, I'm halfway done, now I just gotta make the film. And you know, <laughs> you know, by the time you get to the end of post-production, you're still not even halfway there because then you have to market and put the movie out there and make it successful. So everyone <laughs> turns out like a baby and it just, you gotta, you know, raise it and then release it. And every part of it is crucial. Every part of the process is so crucial. So yeah. I spent a lot of time over the last two years just really meeting with distributors and trying to figure that side of it out because I was very focused on the creative world. But as you know, a film is not successful unless it's successful all the way through. So I really, I, you know, I encourage everybody, you know, you, you just need to understand the entire process and really dive into it and consume yourself with it. Yeah, I agree. I think too many people think that all they need is to get the money together to make the film and then everybody's going to love it. You know, they they don't consider the things that you should be considering before you make the film, which is, you know, is it sellable as it is? You know, what is what is the genre? Who are these people that are in it? You know, how do these things affect your sales? Um, because right. you're going to need some kind of uh, security blanket, <laughs> you know, something to market. Um because, you know, I can yeah. make the greatest sci-fi film that no one's ever seen. And if no one's in it and no one cares and no one sees it, well, what's the point? It was a lot of wasted time. Huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's heartbreaking. That is heartbreaking. <laughs> Although I do think there are some films that, you know, are not made for the masses, but there was sure. a reason that you made it, you know? So Absolutely. I did a human trafficking movie and... And I know that that movie has saved lives. Like I've literally heard the stories. I know that it has. It was not, you know, uh, had a. It didn't have a big release. It didn't. But it's still playing today, and I'm still getting letters every day on it. So it's still impacting lives. So you never know. It's true. I mean, like you said, it's always a, it's always a learning process, regardless. You know, so you're you're always growing with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. All of the, you know, things that go into it. To, somebody said it to me once before, and it was, you know, that the film industry is the most interesting confluence of science, business, and art. And if one of those pillars fails, the whole thing fails. Yeah, yeah. It almost has to be the perfect storm for success. But... How many people you think are wishing they'd put their money into films instead of the stock market right now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, yeah, and it seems like there's going to be a, a pretty big vacuum. We'll be releasing, so yeah. Oh yeah, it's, it's a good good time to invest in films. Yes, it is. Yeah. We got we got to fill this well, it, vacuum. It yeah, it's really smart. And then you know, with with you know, so many opportunities on federal taxes that we can take advantage of you know, the 168 and the 181, I mean, those really make a difference. So especially if you keep it here in the U.S., there's some nice incentives along with the state incentives that just make it, you know, the risk minimal, which is wonderful. So uh, just uh, for my own personal uh, knowledge, is the 180, the 181 is still a thing? For some reason, I thought but it got um, taken away. What I understand from what I understand, only until the end of this year. So you have to begin uh, filming. You know, you have to at least have something filmed by the end of this year for it to be grandfathered beyond that. Got it. 
And and for the audience, if you want to um, just tell them a little bit about what the 181 exchange is. Yeah, Section 168 and 181, these are federal tax incentives that can help wipe out, you know, your federal taxes. So if you're a person that pays a lot of money on the federal side of things, this can be very beneficial to you. And I recommend that you get with your attorneys and accountants and figure out a way to, yeah, bankroll some of that money. And then call us. Project, yeah, yeah, and you know, most of my most of my films do have a cause related to them, or do have kind of a a purpose beyond just the film, and so I feel like that's another way and another reason why investors will seek you out because you know they are very interested in making a difference in this world and inspiring people and encouraging people, and I, I really don't want to make a film that doesn't do those things, you know, that doesn't show love, that doesn't bring us to our best, that doesn't in, enlighten us and inspire us and, you know, all those things. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, anybody who's going to invest in a film, they want to be able to talk about it and talk about all the positives about it. And of course, and if there's a good message. And have their whole family be able to watch it. Exactly. Ta-da! <laughs> it doesn't happen very often now. It that, really doesn't. That's the secret right yeah. there. <laughs> Yes, exactly, AJ, exactly. <laughs> so, but we're going to have a lot of fun with Kid Combat. I can't wait to get rolling on that one. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm really excited about that because um, it is the genre of film that I really like. It's what I, I tend to write more than anything. And um, when I first uh-huh. read it, I just said, oh, God, I I got to somehow get involved in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's a trilogy, and it, they're looking at it as a franchise. So that's just going to be super smart too just right yeah yeah, yeah. it's we're going to get to live with these characters for a good while which is <laughs> going to be a fun thing which is one of the things that i think draws me to television because i always a cast and crew become family to me and i would just like to continue working with them for a little bit longer and i'd love to as a writer just be creating you know that storyline after storyline for these same characters Oh, yeah. Just being able to twist and turn a character arc. I mean, how many movies have the average American scene where they basically they get used to that sort of three act structure of a of a story for a character? And that's why I think television has become so prevalent in people's lives now, because, well, now the structure is ongoing, you know, and they can really twist those characters up. And I love that, too. I I agree. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see what you come up with for. Uh, television pitches and and what happens with it because I I don't see anything stopping you that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) well it's been a different world so it's making all new contacts for that but um yeah so far I love the projects I've been you know helping to develop and they're just a lot of fun and I I know that they could go really far absolutely yeah (laughs) there's a there's a great audience for them for sure so how do you when you're directing and I asked that first because, of course, that's the one I want to learn the most about for myself. Um, how do you approach a project that you didn't write? How do you start that process? Um, usually, the first thing I have to do is really look at the script and, and think, you know, do a tweak on it. Like, how do I want to tell the story visually? because not always on the page is it a visual experience. 
And so it's from taking it from the page to characters that we actually love and experiences that we love, but we may be hearing it and not visually seeing it. So that's the first thing I'm going to address. And then, then what really helps me is finding those key locations that just bring my story to life that, you know, and finding that key cast that just captures the essence of every actor. It's so funny because some of the, I, I don't know. Some of the actors have no idea in the room that I, I love them. And I feel like I just, you know, have no poker face whatsoever. <laughs> but um, I remember I cast uh, Rob Belushi in a recent film and uh, he came in and he just completely nailed the part. Like I couldn't even, I always ask for a redirect just to see, you know, what they can do. I, I didn't even know anything to tell him because he was so far beyond what I had envisioned for this character of Harvey that I was like about to wet myself, you know? And then I just kind of thank you. And he left and he's like, that didn't go well. And we laugh about this day because he's first person I will call almost for every project, you know? <laughs> This, this isn't the best part for you, but I'd love to have you in it. Or this is all about you and please take this part, you know, because he's so talented and gifted. And I just feel like um, casting is one of the strongest things that I do well. Like I just, I can find them in the room and I don't lose patience, you know. I'll just <laughs> keep asking to see more and more and more people until I finally find the magic. But boy, does it bring a story together. And it really just, I mean, I'm definitely an actor's director. So if I can find the right cast, and I have had one person that was an awful fit in an early film, just because I lost, um, the, it was a SAG project and then it turned into a non-union project. And it was really close to shooting time and I couldn't find anybody else. And I settled off and it can be torturous if it's not the right person. It really can. So you want to just like exhaust yourself finding the, the perfect person for the part. But, you know, um, I love collaborating with my team. So you mentioned Leo. And I mean, I love collaborating with Leo. And I, I it just depends because I do have a couple of DPs that I work with, but um, for the most part, the, over the last few years, it's just been Leo. So now we have the shorthand, and I know that he likes to backlight everything, and I always know he's seeing my hero in backlight. So I'm creating, you know, the blocking to work with that so that we get the best on the screen. Sure. Yeah, but I think one of the director's biggest responsibilities um, and advantages is, is if you will look at everybody's gifts and talents and where they excel and, and use that to your benefit for the, you know, the beauty of the film. For yeah. sure. So don't just go on and say, it's gotta be this way, you know, let's, let's work with what he can bring to it and make it the best it can be. Yeah. Make sense? Oh, absolutely. That's, that's how I've always felt. It's, I feel like as a director, it's not your job to have all the right answers. It's your job to be able to recognize them wherever yes, they come from. Exactly. And I really encourage everybody to have a voice on my set and I want to hear ideas. You know, at the end of the day, there is one vision and you, you know, you're responsible for that vision, but, uh, Oh, I definitely want it to be a collaboration with my entire team. And, um, yeah, I just love equipping them to do the best that they can do. A lot of fun. 
Awesome. I'm excited to get on set with you and, and be a part of that. <laughs> yeah. You haven't been on set with us yet. That's right. I have wow. not. Okay. I've, I've heard plenty of stories and I've felt jealous all the time that I wasn't there. But <laughs> <laughs> we do have a good time. We definitely become family. We usually wrap on time, which I understand is, is not the case for most a lot of people, but rare. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's one of my pet peeves. Um, and I think it's because I'm a producer as well. It's a pet peeve of mine when a director shows up and then prepares for the day while people (laughs) stand around two hours. Like I just feel like that is, that's a loss and it's not respectful of your crew and cast. Yeah, so I know there's going to be some things that, you know, weather's going to come in or things like that that can throw you. None of us can control those things. But in general, I'm going to try and be as, yeah, yeah, as prepared as possible. Well, this this question might take you a minute to think of, but uh, has there has there ever been a. uh, An obstacle on set, something that you guys ran into um, that that required, you know, some kind of special engineering or thinking or, uh, and how did you get out of it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can tell you one for Camp Cool Kids that was crazy. So we showed up to film, weather came in, it wasn't breaking, it wasn't breaking, it wasn't breaking. The um, locations manager said, oh, I have another place. We can go there right now and shoot it there. And it was 30 minutes drive going into a place we knew nothing about. She showed us very little on the front end. I get there, it is beer bottles everywhere, broken glass everywhere, um, smelled like whatever had been taking place in there. And it was a kid film. So I just shut it, shut us down for the day, right? I didn't even let the kid actors enter the building. I said, I'm so sorry, this will not work. I will figure it out. I, it's most likely going to take a rewrite on my part to figure it out, but you'll have new scripts by 7 p.m. tonight. And I sent everybody home from that point. And that was about 2.30 in the afternoon. And so then I had to go myself and find a new location and then and then rewrite the pages so that it would work for that location <laughs> so that we could shoot it the next day, which we did. And it worked great. It was a great scene worked really well so but yeah it's just you've got to stay ahead of the train and you've got to be a make it happen person and you never just come with a problem you just be the solution so yeah that's got to be though a a tough decision to decide to shut down i mean you know i mean i i just i can't imagine um what goes on when you're thinking i know what the best thing to do is but what are they going to say if I say it's time to shut down, um, you know, but, but it was the right decision. And, uh, you know, absolutely, I can't even imagine. I just, yeah, it is beyond me what they were thinking, but it was, yeah, definitely <laughs> the only solution I had. Cause I'm not letting kids into a facility that has broken glass and beer bottles everywhere. And yeah, it was just a nightmare. So yeah, <laughs> but we rolled, with it. we did fine. It all worked out found a Froyo place that worked for us really well and talked them into like hardly any money, just letting us film there before they opened. So it all worked out. 
Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, so with it. Camp Cool Kids um, was a, was a recent film of yours. Um, what was um, because of Gracia? Because of Gracia, beautiful one. Um, there was a, a director from Canada that he just uh, he really wanted to film in the U.S. <laughs> when all of our crews are going to Canada, <laughs> he wanted to come here. <laughs> And so uh, originally he was talking to me about uh, let's film in Nashville. And I said, we can, however, you'll get more, you know, more money back from Louisiana than you will from Tennessee. And uh, so he, we ended up filming it in Baton Rouge, um, Louisiana. And um, it just, it was a great, a great experience I produced on that one. So my job was just setting him up for success, which we did in a phenomenal way. And uh, that was actually a non-union project. So, whew, oh. you know, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, as far as talent, so, you know, that you never know if you're going to be able to get what you need to find, but he did in every part. So it worked out really well for him. And, you know, I think he wants to come back to the U.S. whenever he can. So he loved filming here. Well, and I'm then sure. if I do have a project that has to film in Canada and has to have a Canadian director, I throw his name in the hat always. Well, I'm, I'm sure a big reason why he enjoyed it was because of you producing, I would imagine. So. Well, I hope we took care of all his needs. We tried really hard. We definitely <laughs> did. Yeah. And tell me a little bit more about your writing. So, um, so how do you approach that as a, as a process for you? Yeah, everybody has their own process, right? <laughs> so um, if it's a project that I'm creating myself, uh, it really just kind of lives in my head for a while. Like it's like it's marinating almost, you know, it just has to stay there and stay there and stay there. And then all of a sudden it's just a regurgitation on the page. <laughs> so I, when I start to write and it's one of my scripts, it's you, I mean, I've done it in 10 days. I've done it in five days. I've done it, you know, it's, it's usually just pours out of me because it, it lives in, in my virtual head for that long. <laughs> so that it's kind of all, I've already worked out. I've worked out all the, you know, everything I need to. There's no more cracks in my foundation and it's just about to get on the page. Uh, when it's like a true story that I've been hired to write for someone, um, I will read the material that they send me, but it's really more about the interviews hmm. because I find that the way people talk about things versus the way they write about things, I want the intimate, I want the sure. unedited version, you know, so I find that I do a lot better uh, with the conversations and they'll get aggravated with me. They'll be like, no, this is in chapter five of my memoir. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I just need to hear it in your own voice. So just, in, you know, <laughs> just bear with me and let's do this. And, uh, and sure enough, it does. It really helps me get inside their lives and, and have the true vision of what it is, you know, and uh, understand the relationship so much better. Yeah. And I, I, it takes me about only about a three month process to do those usually sometimes four. That's fast. I allow myself in the contracts, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Always allow yourself room because you don't get the final payment if you don't deliver on time. So. <laughs> right. You know, 
know, you never know. So yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but and some come easier than others, you know. And I, I think it's really um, more about how compelling the story is and how vulnerable they are talking about it, you know. So yeah, but a lot of fun. Very cool. And I really like like we had one project where I needed to create the screenplay because of the novel. But the novelist really wanted to learn how to write a screenplay. So, you know, we collaborated on it and I allowed her to make a draft and then I would edit the draft and then she would understand what she had done. And, you know, it's so hard for a novelist because they want to tell you about everything. They want to tell you that the person's evil. They want to tell you about, you know, everything. And, and it's just a whole different journey for them to get their head, like how it's going to be shot. And, I really encourage them to come on set because then they can visually see, you know, what the process is like. Yeah. It's such a different format and writing style. I've actually tried to write novels having written a lot of scripts and I still can't crack the code for what I, a... I have no desire. You're better than me. I literally, that's one thing I'm, I don't think I will ever have the desire to or want to do, but you know, I mean like, in my head, I have always seen things visually. So I, I don't know how to explain that to you. But when I'm when we're talking, I'm visually thinking about something else. You know, when I'm walking with somebody having a conversation, I can visually be seeing something about it. So I mean, that's kind of always where my head's been. So this is the right format for me. Well, yeah. And if you're writing something that is for you to direct, you don't need to have a whole bunch of description because you already know what you see. <laughs> I know. It's so funny because sometimes I'll send people a script and they're like, Lisa, like, you've left out like all kinds of information. I'm like, yeah, because it's all in my head. It doesn't need to be on the page. But I'll put it on the page if you need me to, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all just living up here. Trust me, people. Uh, so, uh, one other question I have for you um, Do you have any advice for? young filmmakers, people trying to get into the business, um, or just not the business, but just make films. Um, yeah. any advice for them? <laughs> well, this would be for anybody, no matter what age. I, I don't think you have to be young. You can be, you can be in your sixties and want to make a film and never done it. And now, now you feel like now's the time. And, um, you know, it's just, you, you've got to learn that you can't take no for an answer. And you're going to have to learn that you're going to have to be involved in every part of the process. So just skip where you think your lane is and be ready to just, you know, take on whatever role is handed to you. you you're the reason it's got to, you know, it has, you're the make it happen person, in other words. So either you make it happen or you don't, but the buck stops there. Well, nobody else is going to drag it uphill for you. <laughs> well, you really not, you know, you really have to do it yourself, you know, but it can be done. Yeah. And I, I've seen films made for nothing, you know, and I've seen films made for millions. So, I mean, it just, it, it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish, but I would say don't be too, um, maybe don't go for the big $10 million movie for your first movie, you know, learn what you're doing first, you know, sure, because it's, make those mistakes on no budget instead of making a mistake on the budget of taking a hundred thousand dollars a day to shoot, you know, so, uh, and grow, you know, but every time just try and learn and grow a little bit more. Yeah. Well, 
Lisa, thank you so much for being on the call sheet. Hopefully this is a lot of great information for people. And, uh, you know, that's that's what we're trying to do. We just want people to have a resource that they can hear the people that are doing it. And, and how did they get there? Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, and AJ, I know you could have said everything I said plus. <laughs> so <laughs> you're so funny. <laughs> like uh, you've got a lot to teach people and a lot to do in this industry. It's going to be exciting to watch your career for sure. Oh, well, thank you. I'll definitely be trying to get you to produce things for me because I know you're uh, going to be a good one. <laughs> have your back man. that's right <laughs> that's another episode of the call sheet in the books i'm your host aj wedding you can follow me on instagram at that director aj or join our facebook page the call sheet for updates on the show see you next time